Chapter 36 The wave of music makers flooded after the teardrop that was Cove running for his life. He was more agile and acrobatic than them, and to his great advantage he knew the grounds of the statue garden far better than the mob of music makers could ever hope to. But to his great disadvantage, the music makers were quite adept at using their instruments, and it had been a long while since they had gotten the chance. Celia brandished her trombone and let out a hearty tone that shook the ground beneath everyone's feet, almost faltering Cove as he vaulted over the statue of two vicious-faced men. Next, Gibby struck out a series of notes on his accordion that caused tiny rocks in the field to grow ten times larger, blossoming up under Cove's feet and sending him flying into the hard ground. Then came Michael and Peter, who crashed their fingers across the strings of their guitar and lute respectively, setting fire to the grass with both red and blue flames that began to encircle Cove like a blazing cage. He was caught. He was captured. He was afraid. Poem, you've got to slow time. Silverbell could see all that was happening from where she lagged behind them. She wasn't going to make it all the way to Cove before the mob did. Not without help. Are you sure? It was clear that Poem and Tico were just as confused as Louie, as they now joined the sprint. But Silverbell had to pray that they were just as willing to trust her. Please! Silverbell shouted to Poem, and after a millisecond of a million thoughts flashing across her face, Poem opened her mouth and sang to the heavens with her divine voice, slowing the chaos in its stride, taming the stampede for but a moment. But it was a moment she could make last forever. Silverbell continued to run, sprinting through the crowd of minutely moving music makers, looking disappointedly on their almost frozen faces as she did. What she saw in their eyes was familiar. Such rage, such anger. It was identical to the statues all around them. But those had been silencers, enemies and villains. Yet here were the music makers, her people, with just as much vitriol and rage in their hearts. If it had not been for their living color against the alabaster stone, they would have been indistinguishable from those they had once feared so well. Silverbell, do you have a plan here? Tico asked, and it was a fair question. I have an end goal. Is that good enough? She didn't really have a plan. She didn't really know if what she was doing was altogether smart. But what she did know was that it was right. Louis, I need a portal. Silverbell approached the ring of fire surrounding Cove. She could see him in there, terrified, tears in his eyes, and her violin wrapped in his arms. A portal to where? Louis asked, already pulling his flute to the ready. In there. She nodded toward Cove with her head. In there? Louis gasped in horror. Silverbell. In there. Silverbell repeated forcefully. Louis nodded and played the sweet tune of the music maker melody, falling in perfect unison with Poem's ethereal voice beside them. The portal appeared with ease, and with one last look between them, Louis's a look of trust and Silverbell's a look of hope, Silverbell Smith walked through the portal and into the circle of fire with Harry Horton Cove. Silverbell leaned down and put her hands on his shoulder, preparing for the moment when he would see her. Okay, poem! Silverbell shouted into the slow moving night. You can stop singing! She called, looking into the terror of Cove's eyes. And so the music stopped, and the world started again. The shouting, the running, the bellowing instruments. Everyone returned to the speed of life again, for they had not even known that it had been stalled. Get away from me! Cove jumped back from Silverbell, who to him had seemingly appeared from nowhere. But when he realized it was her, he skittered right back. Why do they want to hurt me? I just want to help! Then let's help them! Silverbell told him forcefully, and turning to the flames, she faced down the screaming horde. 
and Silverbell Smith screamed back. Stop! At the top of her lungs and at the end of her wits, Silverbell shouted over the fire and into the night. This was no beautiful note, no magical melody, but instead the uncontrollable power of a child whom no one had listened to for a very long time. Yet as good as any spell or as any melody, her voice landed on the ears of the music makers, stopping them in their tracks and washing their rage into newborn confusion. Silverbell's in there! Somebody shouted. Silverbell's in the fire with Cove! Someone else echoed the sentiment. Everyone stop! Everyone, wait! Everyone! The word spread across the statue garden from music maker to music maker, and a strange yet rigid stillness fell across the once visceral group. The ground stopped shaking, the fire of red and blue dissipated, and the crowd calmed for the moment. Silverbell, honey, what are you doing? Wolfie shouted to her from the back of the crowd, having lagged behind because of the weight of his heavy and cumbersome bass. Honey, don't protect that man. He is a bad man. Her mother hurried forward, dragging her cello along. He kidnapped your friend. Someone among the crowd shouted. He tried to kidnap you. He stole our instruments. Screamed another voice in the mob. No, no, no. In the face of aggression, Cove was growing aggressive. I, I didn't. I didn't. That's not what was supposed to happen. Harry, it's okay. You just need to breathe. Silverbell tried to model the calm he could emulate. For once in your lives, will you people stop making noise and listen? Silverbell Smith had no patience for the music makers. And still kneeling beside Cove, she waited to be heard. She watched as the music makers looked between each other. Her mother to her father, her father to her mother, Gibby to Meredith, Peter to Michael, and everyone to Silverbell. Finally, they were listening. Can't you see? Can't you hear? Silverbell implored of them. This man is a music maker. Suddenly, a wave of what's and how's and we would have known that's carried through the crowd of music makers. But Silverbell had come to realize that there was quite a bit the music makers did not know about their own craft. Everyone, close your eyes. Silverbell commanded the crowd. Close your eyes and listen. The crowd of music makers looked to her suspiciously. Please. She begged, and perhaps, being unable to resist her manner, one by one, the mob closed their eyes and listened. What do you hear? Silverbell paused, giving them a moment. Music, right? She then answered for them. You hear a violin and a flute, a cello and a bass. You hear a guitar and a lute and all the other instruments you know. Yes, Silverbell, but what does this have to do with... Someone dared to interrupt her, but she was playing no part in that. But you also hear a pulse, don't you? It's not in the front of you like the violin, or behind you like the bass, or even beside you like the cello, guitar, or accordion. She put into words what they all knew but had never said, what they had always known but never faced. It's everywhere, and it's anywhere, and it is music. Listen and you'll hear it coming from the city of Coda. She gestured to the road that led back to the town. Listen, and you'll hear it beating in the heart of a boy who ran away from boarding school. Silverbell then turned to Tico, who stood off to the side, shocked as anyone that he was being addressed. You do? He gasped, putting his hand to his heart. I do! He then realized. 
listen and you'll hear it in the heart of a man who was driven mad because he didn't know what he knew and couldn't believe what he believed, but still he knew he had to help, even if no one wanted his help. Silverbell then looked back over her shoulder to Cove, who was not brave enough to be anything but terrified in this moment. Even if he did it all wrong. Oh, but Silverbell, it's just a pulse. Constanza tried to dismiss it as she took a step towards her. But the truth can never truly be dismissed. Not forever. No, it's not just a pulse, it's a rhythm. This was Louis Barimbe, who stepped forward from behind the fractured statue of Belden Broderick Cove, cautiously, but with conviction. Louis, are you defending this man? Wolfie gasped in shock handing off his bass to a music maker nearby so he was free to move toward Louis in a fatherly fashion. But Louis brushed off Silverbell's father and instead moved towards Cove with slow intent. There was a long pause as Louis stared down the man still cowering behind Silverbell. Louis was unflinching, unfaltering, unafraid, and Harry Horton Cove shuddered beneath the weight of his gaze. Harry Horton Cove has done very bad things. Louis was speaking at Cove. But his words were a poem for all to hear, a song that crept into the hearts of everyone present. I hated you. I hate you. But I don't want to hurt you. He paused and looked to Silverbell, who stood in his defense. Especially if you didn't mean to hurt. I do believe it is entirely possible to be both victim and villain at once. Do I know you? Asked Cove, blinking at Louis the way he had once done at Silverbell. Louis opened his mouth almost in a gasp, but gently lowered his head and chose kindness. You'll remember soon. Slowly, Louis extended his hand downward, and after a long, confusing moment, Harry Horton Cove accepted his help and rose to his feet. You were victims of hate, so you were hateful to those who weren't like you. He was a victim of cruelty, so he was cruel to those he wanted to be like. But we don't have to be afraid— or cruel anymore. Louis now addressed the crowd, Cove standing at his side. The silencers built a campaign on one idea, Silverbell declared, rising to meet them, that there were people who were music makers and people who were not. But they lied to us. That's what bad people do, because lying is bad. This was likely the only true thing the government had ever said. We are all music makers, Silverbell declared quite definitively. Silverbell watched in awe as the message fell upon the gathered crowd like rain, washing away aggression, leaving only calmness and care. I... I made music once, Harry told Silverbell, with a gentle look of surprise on his face, as if she had not been there, as if he had not been. Exactly, Silverbell smiled. Don't you see? There's not one music maker lost in the world, but hundreds, thousands, millions! She declared to the crowd and the sculptures and the heavens. And that's why we have to go back. Go back. Go back. Go back. The words whispered and winded their way through the crowd. More impossible than lightning on a clear day. More needed than rain during a drought. But Silverbell. Her mother had been looking to the crowd in dismay. But it was her daughter she turned to for the answer. How can we go back? That's easy, Silverbell smiled. We go back together. Turning to her left, Silverbell took Louis Barimbe's hand in hers, for together started with him.
Music for everyone? She asked. Music for everyone. He agreed. Music for everyone? Louis then turned to Tico, holding his hand aloft for their bespectacled friend. Music for everyone. Tico cheered, falling into line. Music for everyone? It was now to Poem that he extended his hand. Music for everyone. She quite agreed, taking her place beside them. Now it's your turn. Silverbell turned her gaze back to what they now realized to be not the last of the music makers at all. Music for everyone? And the question hung in the air for quite some time.